0: Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine God I gotta be down because I want it all It started out with a kiss How did it end up like this? It was only a kiss, it was only a kiss Hello and welcome along to G'day GA I'm delighted to be joined here this evening by Giggles is laughing already, by Giggles Welcome along Giggles <laughs> Thanks Liam And Siany
1: Good evening Liam,
0: how are you doing? <laughs> the boys are a bit worse for worse for wear here Siany's had four interrupted nights of sleep so... <laughs> He sent Giggles off there for a few, uh, few packets of biscuits, tams. a few Tim Tams there, just to give him a boost to get this episode yeah. in the can. Thanks very much for that, Giggles. No better. <laughs> so we're here here tonight to review the International Rules game that we had on Saturday. Um, we were delighted, actually. We got Gary Brennan from Clare, who was playing on Saturday for Ireland, joined Giggles on the phone earlier from his hotel room in Perth. They're just on the last hurrah. They're flying back tomorrow. Um, so we've got the interview coming up and um, we've also got our analysis of, of the, the second test and the series in general along with a wrap up of the club games at the weekend and we'll briefly touch on the Fenway Classic over in Boston so coming up first we got Giggles' interview with Gary Brennan
2: Like the legend of the Phoenix huh? All ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning? Ah, uh,
3: the force from the beginning. We're now gone in past the injury time. Kelly has to go for distance. The referee doesn't blow his whistle. Ball comes out towards Donald Donovan. Claire have the ball. Patrick O'Connor sends it into the centre. They have to hold possession. The referee gets out of the way. Hand passes on. Donald Donovan is the left corner back. He hits it. He hits it. Wow. It's over the bar. Oh. Holy Moses! What a match! I have never experienced anything like it! Blow it up, ref, blow it up! Brian Gavin! Blow up the final whistle! Surely he's looking at his watch and he's blown the final whistle! It's a draw for the second year in a row!
2: delighted to be joined on the line here from, from Perth uh, by um, Ireland star Gary Brennan. Um, for those of you who don't know Gary, Gary is a, a clear footballer. He's a Munster footballer. He represented Ireland in the Aussie rules. And he's a very proud Clondegad and Ballyhay club man. And he's also a teacher in my uh, old school in St. Flans College. Uh, w- welcome along, Gary.
4: How are you doing John, thanks for for having me,
2: no, uh, Liam. Ga- Ga- Gary, uh, I won't lie to you, I, I checked rate my teacher uh, before I came along for Gary Brennan and fortunately for yourself you had 5 stars and the quote was the best teacher in St Flannan so you must be doing something right with the-, with the kids down there.
4: Yeah I wrote that one myself uh, recently there just to make <laughs> sure. To. <laughs> no. Um, I don't, I don't know, there must be one, one person that likes me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For for everyone that likes me, there's many that dislike the nature of being a teacher, I think. So, uh, I'm sure listen to, it's a good job and uh, we have a good crew in there now, plenty of lads that are willing to get involved in the sport, but uh, football in Ireland, so hopefully we might see a bit of a revival in the next few years.
2: Good stuff, good stuff. Is, is Tommy Curtin still heavily involved with the football down there?
4: Tommy has retired now, actually, but um, his son Owen is teaching there, and he was involved with the under-15 team, St. Flannan's under-15s, won the Munster Championship last week, um, beat St. Brendan's Killarney in the final, actually had a big score, Um, scored, I think we scored six goals in the final, six or seven goals, so that was a a brilliant win for us, we hadn't won that since um, our current senior team three or four years ago, so um, it's nice to see us being able to compete. Tommy's good work has been continued by his son and, and a few more.
2: Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Gary, this this was your um, second test. Uh, I might just bring you back to the, the first test back in 2015. You had a great win uh, against the Aussies. I guess uh, this one was in Australia, the last one was in Ireland. How, how did the two tests compare for yourself?
4: Um, I suppose the, the last time it being a debut experience for me at senior level, it was, um, it was that bit different, and obviously being at home, one test series you know there was those few differences to it and I suppose the way Australia played um, was very similar to how they played this year they they pushed up um, and on that day we were left really with Aiden O'Shea and Conor McManus in an awful lot of space inside and we were able to find them early on Um, got a couple of unders and got ourselves kind of a fairly Substantial lead, I suppose, in the first couple of quarters. Yeah. Um, and it was really only in the in the final quarter where we started to come under a bit of pressure in that game. So, um, or I suppose under huge pressure, I should say. So, you know, it different, I suppose, and then it'd it been a two-test series and the travel and everything this time. Uh, gr- both great experiences, I have to say though.
2: Good stuff. And, and that game, kind of, I suppose, for yourself, it kind of catapulted you into a really. Great run of results, I suppose. Clare won the, the Division 3 in, in the National League in Crow Park, beating Kildare, which was a phenomenal result. And then I suppose you had the, the absolute fairy tale of Ballier and Clare, who hadn't won a county. I don't think it was ever he had won a county and, and went all the way to the All-Ireland Cup final. Um, give, give us a bit about that year for yourself, Gary. I know you were in the, the newspaper an awful lot for your commitments, but what did it mean to yourself?
4: It was just, I suppose, um, you know, I'm playing with Clare... Eleven years or whatever, and and playing with LA and and trying to get however many years it is, and we've never really been in too many finals or been at you know end stages competitions with county or club, you know. So um, it was busy, but I mean, they're the games you want to be playing in. So uh, when it came to obviously you know good start with the with the county, getting we w- really wanted to try and get out of Division Three, and and did that, and then. The final against Kildare, as you mentioned, it was a game that was kind of going away from us and we pulled it back, had a good win, got a good run in the Championship then and, and then back to, to club commitments. And as you say, nobody would have predicted that Ballye would have, you know, so they ended up where we did on the 17th of March. And, um, you know, that was just, it was really, really incredible experience. It's very hard to compare that to anything else that you do with county or even playing for Ireland or anything like that when the whole... Local community is so involved and so interested in what's going on, you know um and I suppose the, the games themselves weren't short of excitement the way we we tended to play so um it was just a a brilliant run, really something that i suppose we'll only fully appreciate in the in the test of time um we actually haven't even had our our victory celebration, I suppose or our social for that, so oh, that's coming up now before christmas <laughs> yeah. so um it's, it's, it'll be nice to actually take a step back and look back and say right okay we didn't we didn't get to jump the final hurdle I suppose but uh, we had great fun along the way and um, a lot of things you'd learn from it too you know so it's as you said as you mentioned I suppose it's been a busy couple of years or busy year or so but um, I'd much rather be in the business end of things and, and being busy like that than to be where I was I suppose for, for previous years
2: before that I, I'd say if you were walking onto the pitch against Australia back in 2015 and you told you we would win that series and you'd win Division 3 and you'd win a Munster club and a county title you definitely would have taken it at the time I
4: would yeah but I'd have wanted a lot more too because I'd be pure greedy when you think you'd get <laughs> yeah. that much for a bit more but um, no yeah listen this was from where we're coming from it's not a bad situation to be, to be in but uh, you know that's what the, the real test then is can we push things on again and, and can we can we go on to another level with player, another level of Ballet and, and things like that?
2: You know, yeah, no doubt you can. If if we jump back into the game, just just gone on Saturday night there, I suppose it it was a whirlwind start yourself, and Barrett got the two goals. What was the feeling like when you when you managed to score that that under as they call it for for Ireland for your country when you're representing them?
4: Uh, I suppose release freely um, when you're clean through goal one on one, and you're expected to score. Uh, you're just hoping the net <laughs> net punches. Um Brendan Goddard. Was in goals, so it seemed to leave a bit of space on that side of the goal. So I just said, if I keep it low here, uh, my my chances are good. But there's always a fear that you know he might just read what I was going to do and jump across and block out a river. But um, no, it was just it's a great feeling, obviously, um, to, to rattle the net anytime you do it. So to do it in Subiaco, playing Australia for Ireland, it's uh, it's very special. But really, at the time. Again, you know, I was just thinking, right, let's get back out here and try and get another one and uh, try and eat into this deficit that we were trying to chase a little bit, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely when you're one-on-one, you, the, the fear can kind of come over you sometimes. But I guess you mentioned Brendan Goddard there. Um, he got the two early goals, but in fairness to him, he, he made two, if not three, really important saves. I think it was in the second and third quarter of, of the game. And and potentially, that that could have wrapped up the game for you anyway, if not the series.
4: Uh, maybe, you know... Um, it would have been the more of a cushion or the more of a lead we we could have built up the, the better obviously it would have been for us um, but you just don't know like I mean the way they responded in the third quarter you know we seemed to weather it reasonably well in the third and I'm not sure what we were up at three quarter time but it was still you know within our control I would say to a large extent um, but then them being down to I think they were down to 18 players for finish and the way they handled the fourth quarter and we're still able to up the pressure on us it was very impressive from them in fairness you know so um, there was just there was a lot of frustration for us I suppose in the end in terms of we missed chances we lost our composure a bit and started to you know lose the ball where we hadn't been doing it earlier in the game but um, you know definitely a couple of those chances might have might have helped earlier on but you know you can't say for sure that had they
2: gone in it would have been the winning of it either of course yeah and uh, your your reference to fourth quarter there and I think everybody from an Irish point of view was obviously disappointed with the fourth quarter because you'd played so well for three and, and Aidan who was interviewed afterwards he kind of felt like he panicked a bit like he thought you had the game there and, and you went into yourselves is that a kind of a feel that you have Gary?
4: Yeah I don't know whether it was panic or, or what it was exactly but there was definitely a sense of I suppose there was a few occasions where we had marks um, and didn't take the mark maybe ran on the mark and there was a couple, another couple of occasions then when we did take marks and we weren't able to find options and ended up running the ball and you know kicking under pressure or kicking it away and um, we just, I suppose we weren't as composed as we had been for, for three quarters before that, I think maybe they got the first over of the quarter which ate into our lead a little bit again and then maybe there was a sense of, right, we have to go chasing this and we have to start scoring quick, you know, um, and that probably led to a little bit of jitters, I suppose, or, or panic, maybe, as Aidan said, that we just weren't as composed in our decision-making, but, um, you know, maybe if we had got the first over the quarter it might have been different, but that's, that's how it goes, I suppose, and all we can do is learn from the experience, you know, mm. and um, just frustrating as it is for for now, that you just have to accept this loss.
2: That's it, and it's probably a funny feeling when you're actually four points up in the game, and you still feel like you're chasing it with the whole aggregate score piece.
4: Yeah, that's that's just it. Um, I suppose there was a certain sense of looking at the scoreboard and saying, "Right, what are we up? But but what are we down? Are really, down, you know?" Yeah. Um, and and just trying to figure it out. But you know, the first intent was just trying to go out and win the game, and I suppose as I said, we had put ourselves in such a good position to do that that's really what the most frustrating thing is about not finishing it out then but in a way us going ahead as we did really took the pressure off the Australians and made them say well we have to come out and play now again you know to, and it, it changed the situation completely they they were going from a situation where they were holding on to a lead to having to say well hold on we've got to come back out and play yeah. and you know that maybe if we had I suppose not taking the lead as early it might have allowed us to, to keep going at them a bit more but you know when they came back out and really started to try and put the pressure back on us we, we struggled to deal with that
2: yeah, It's that kind of Irish mentality you hate to see the Irish soccer team score in the first 10 minutes because you don't know what's going to come <laughs> after but if they can get one in the 89th you're happy
4: <laughs> Yeah yeah. well listen I, I, I wouldn't like to be uh, thinking we're in that situation but I suppose it, it almost was like that to yeah. a certain extent Yeah um, we could have done with a, a Shane Duffy and a, someone
2: to <laughs> up, Yeah, <laughs> just just for yourself, Gary, and maybe the kind of camp feeling in general. What what did you feel was the most difficult piece of the compromise rules that you had to adapt to?
4: Um, well, obviously, the, the tackle is a big, is the big thing for us because it's not a part of our game at home, and it's so natural to the Australians, um, and even on on Saturday there were still occasions where I was scratching my head you know where maybe we took a tackle and got a got a pass off uh, but we're still brought back you know and that was judged to have been a foul and you know we tackled them and they got a pass off it didn't seem to be a foul so I I still to be honest I'd like to sit down with the refs and go through that rule with them again and just to know exactly what what is going on there Um, the timing of the disposal I think seems to be a big thing that, you know, just isn't natural to us, but as I say, it's so natural to them, and you would even see, looking back at the video, there was occasions where we were shadowing them, you know, with hands out, you know, yeah. real, <laughs> it was almost guillotine tackling, state, yeah. you know, uh, what you'd be doing at home, where in the same situation they were just jumping on us and, and making sure the ball was pinned and getting turnovers, and they get such a lift, and the crowd takes such a lift from a good tackle, Um that it was a real boost for them I suppose and equally it was a negative for us um, don't know, so def- without doubt the, t- the tackle is a big area
2: there was one example I, I remember in that. particular with, with Nate Fyfe where he was wrapped up by I think it was Cadigan and he still managed to get the ball out and for me it did look like a ball and it should have been a turnover but the Aussies ended up getting the point out of it so yeah, I think I think yeah. Joe Kernan as well kind of had a few questions about the ref, and I think that particular rule was probably, from an Irish point of view, the most frustrating on the day.
4: Yeah, I suppose you know it's not not in any way trying to crib about the ref or, or you know complain about the ref referees, and um, you know there's a the job to do, and equally for them they're learning a new set of rules and and trying to adapt to it, you know, so it's a challenge for them as well, but. Um, as I say, just around the tackle, we're, we're just a little bit more inexperienced, and I know Joe was unhappy with a couple of things. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, the game is over now. It's no good us really um, looking back at that too much. But I suppose whoever's involved next year, whenever it's on again, would need to have a lot of clarity on that rule to make sure that, um, at the very least, that we're I suppose more accustomed to it. But you know, yeah. the tackle isn't something we majorly focused on um, in our preparation because you know, we could train for two months there but on the tackle and we're still only going to be two months experience in the tackle in comparison to years and years and years for the Australians. So um you know, we were trying to focus on the skill side of the game and, and how we wanted to play and really we didn't want to be getting involved in too many tackles at all, you know, so um this and as it worked out I suppose that was the winning of it maybe for them in, in a certain sense in the Third and fourth quarter, but uh, you'd never know. It, it may not be the
2: case next year. And then I suppose you could, you could, if you train, if you overtrain on it, you could get lads too used to doing it, and they'd have a black card straight away in the first and second round of the national league next year.
4: Well, listen, that, that wouldn't be something to to worry about for for any of us. I might be <laughs> hoping a couple of them. <laughs> if yeah. I come up against a couple of them, I'd be hoping they'd get a black card. But uh, <laughs> I know, listen, I don't think there's any there's any concern about that, but. I mean, no matter what we do in our six weeks or two months together, we still never would be as good at the tackle as the Australians. So um, that's just the nature of the beast.
2: I suppose, looking at the physicality of the two teams and maybe comparing it back 10 years ago, both both teams looked fairly similar in stature and physique uh, compared to what there was maybe 10 years ago when there was the whole professional versus amateur. and Obviously, Gary... Intercounty football has gone so professional now not in the f- true sense of the word but in, in every other sense but was there anything else you kind of learned from playing against the Aussies like coming up against some of these professional superstars that you kind of maybe learnt to maybe bring back to the game in Ireland
4: um, I suppose I wouldn't say there's anything greatly new that you know discovered over this series that I wouldn't have seen before but it's just to look at the athleticism of them you know the, even their, their bigger guys I mean Nate Fife obviously was their standout player of the series, but mm-hmm. um, he's by no means a, a small man. But to look at the way he's able to move himself around the field, and the athleticism of him, and obviously his leap, which we saw unfortunately yeah. on, on Saturday. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's. I suppose it's just the expectation is here that you know if you're six, two or three, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're still have to be able to move yourself around the field, and maybe at home. It's a little bit more, you know. If you're that size, you stand in the middle of the field and and lay the ball off. You know, to, to a certain extent, that that understanding is there. So it's just the the athleticism of them, um, their approach, I suppose. Some of, some of their movement um, would be very different to our game, and that you know they just get themselves in position. Obviously, with the mark, then it's just a matter of getting yourself in as close a position to the goal as you can and winning the ball there, and and executing your mark. Um, so it's just, a, I suppose, as I said, it lessens them of them to be able to do that and the, the way they use their bodies. Um, you know, Eddie Vitz, obviously, again, is another example of it, not the biggest man, but the way he's able to use his body to lean off against the defender to allow him to take his mark or to create that extra yard for himself, it's it's really impressive. Um, and I'm not sure how much of it we could bring back to our own game, but um, certainly we'll all be... A, trying to jump like a five, I suppose if we can. but yeah. <laughs> we might have to we might have to work. A little bit harder on that.
2: Yeah, that. Well, it's an inter- interesting point you raised because I think we spotted it as well that in Gaelic football when you're playing the ball into the full forward line you tend to kind of put it out into the space there in front of them and maybe out to the corner a little bit and that seemed to be what Ireland were doing In, in it, whereas, whereas the Australians were trying to make the run out and then grab it and mark it right on, in, nearly in front of the goal. So, so that, that was probably a key insight into the way the Aussies played versus the Irish and I suppose the contrast in the two games.
4: Yeah exactly Um it's all about as I say there getting your mark as close to the goals as you can whereas for us you know usually that area is so congested yeah. um, that even if you do win the ball you know it's very rare you'd be able to get a shot off I suppose um, and Especially then, playing that, against the bank really of defense is why, Yeah, yeah that's really is why you would have seen us use the wings a lot more in this and try to use that space and even if the kick wasn't executed properly I mean, we were blessed to have the likes of Michael and File and the likes of Connor in particular. Um, you know, you could play the ball down the line to him, took a hop. You know, he wasn't able to mark it and yet in within two seconds he'd be able to swing the ball over the bar from, from either sideline like so you know, that's um I suppose it's the type of thing again, if if we could bring it back to our own game to see that ability to kick points from from distance outside of the the mass defence, it might lead to defences being dragged out a little bit more. But as um, you say, that that really was the difference between the two games there in that sector. The way we tried to suppose, play a little bit wider and and play the ball in front of the man, whereas they were able to just get it in there into the right area, and their guys inside were expected to take marks.
2: Yeah, it's very true. I suppose we we John Fogarty then on last week, Gary, and he was obviously giving us a sense about the the travel sickness that the squad had and yourself actually it was your first game. You you had a bit of a hip injury, was it?
4: Yeah, I had a bit of an injury that seemed to just um seemed to just appear. I won't say appear but uh come on really on the day before we flew actually. So um it it turns out I got a scan sense, it turns out I had have a little bit of trouble with my back that just is causing some um, pain down into the hip but um, it, it wasn't until major thankfully I was, I was fine to play on, on the first test but um, as you mentioned with bugs and everything we had nearly everybody in the camp I think at some stage uh, took ill for a few hours or a bit of a day or a day or a couple of days for some of the guys or unfortunately for two of the guys that missed the first test e- even longer you know yeah. so preparation was just uh, I mean, if you're comparing it to how we'd prepare for a county game at home, it was it was a long way behind in some ways. But um, you know, the medical team did everything they could. Everyone, in fairness, we were well warned before travelling about you know needing to um, just protect ourselves and and with disinfectants and things like that over flights and that. But you know, not, in spite of all that, um, this bug did did appear out of somewhere and uh, it was fairly nasty. So as I say. Laid a couple of guys low and, and wasn't ideal in terms of preparing for the first test. Yeah. And there is that sense of wonder, you know, what, what might if, have happened yeah. if we had been fully right for, for the first test. But um, I don't know. Listen. We'll I think if the yeah. come next year, they
2: might pick up the Zambog. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. And I suppose you said back in 2015, you had the powerful first three quarters. And even in the first test, your first quarter was very good. And it was obviously probably the lack of preparation and, and the sickness hitting the lads. I guess just from, from a kind of a comparison point of view and compare it back to Jay and, and your own self, you scored a goal for Ireland in, in Subiaco and you had a great feeling, but you also scored a hell of a goal in the last minute against Hurlis-Arsfields Rebellier. If you were weighing up both goals, uh, where would each of them rank?
4: Jeez, uh, no, that's, <laughs> that's a tough question for a, a Monday afternoon. Um, God, I don't know. Uh, I suppose if you were thinking of the game against Hurlis, um I'd love to say I meant to put the ball exactly where I did, but... Um, in truth, that was a case of I won the ball, turned, tried to head towards goal and had it fully in my head to pass it to nile DC who was on the, the right-hand post. <laughs> I was kind of just waiting waiting for the defender to come to me. But uh, the defender, I think, hedged his bets and said, I, I think it's safer to mark Niall DC let this fella hit it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nine times out of ten, he'd have been absolutely right. So, uh, lucky for me, <laughs> the ball just... Flew I, into I, the I, corner. I remember I remember hitting it and... Uh, Looking and saying, "Oh, please, God, don't let that go over wide," you know. So just snuck under the grass bar is just lucky, but um, I suppose there was a bit more of intent to to the game on uh, the goal, I should say, on uh, on Saturday in Zubiaco. So um, listen, I don't know. It's a good complaint to have. I suppose you are trying to pick which one is better, but I. I, I I hope I've dodged that question well enough.
2: You've dodged it well enough. You caused, us a, you caused us a bit of heartache over here, actually. One of your clubmates from Hay was over in Australia with us and uh, the fact that he won the Muster final meant he had to go back for the the All-Ireland semi and we, we missed oh, him for a seven-a-side on, tournament. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Have any tips We're on how to get him training?
4: <laughs> we haven't figured that one out ourselves yet. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the man, uh, I'll tell you, he's unbelievable for a man that's that is hard to get trained, and sometimes he uh, is incredible what he produced on the field. I mean, uh, he, he, if I could follow the same recipe, I'd love to I'd put it that way. Uh-huh. Um, he's he's you'd never get to the end of him on the field. He was actually a big loss to us this year. Um, him being gone, you know, his work rate was just it was really what made a lot of the guys around him take us was and give them the freedom to play. You know. Um, yeah,
2: no, he's oh,
4: he's, he's we're, definitely we're missing him for sure. Your,
2: your loss was our gain for sure. Listen, Gary, I won't I won't hold you any more. Congratulations, um, obviously on on winning the Munster club with Ballet and all that. Congratulations on a a great game last Saturday. Just unfortunate we just didn't get the right side of the result. But um, I'm sure yourself and the rest of the Irish boys have a few more drinks to have tonight before you head back tomorrow.
4: Yeah, well, it's, uh, there's a there's a few heads around today you now, so. Uh it will be the bit, bit Tamer tonight now and uh, try and make sure guys get on the plane, <laughs> plane <laughs> home tomorrow.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks me Gary. okay cheers
4: thanks cheers okay.
2: I talk to God as much as I talk to Satan cause I want to hear both
4: sides. Does that make me cynical There are no miracles and this is no miraculous life. I savour hate as much as I crave love because I'm just a twisted guy Is this the pinnacle, is this the pinnacle, the pinnacle of being alive Now I see the light
3: We're going well lads, but lads, bring the bit of fucking diviment into your play the next day now on the Tigerish play The discipline, the tightness the the, the, the the rough and tumble stuff out around the middle of the field the fucking breaking ball and a, a grain of rice is going to tip the scale just remember that lads a grain of rice will tip the scale but you'll have to get steely tough upstairs and you must be willing to fucking break your guts you were fucked over the line twice fucked over the line like you'd catch a fucking loaf of bread and fucked you over the line with his shorts up and what that does is it lifts the opposition we don't want to see no Westmead man fucked about. Is that clear now, Alan? No more! You'll have to be closer. Closer to fuck! We'll have to fucking crash into these fellas and test out their fucking pulse. Because I'm telling you lads, these fellas have play good football if they're alone. Give me one fucking guarantee each and every one of you that you're going to be tighter, that you're going to be more disciplined, that you're going to be more tigerish and that you're going to take the fucking game to these fellas. That these fellas, will get such a fucking shell shock next Saturday evening that we we'll would put them back in their fucking asses for fucking 10 years.
0: to get Gary on the line, getting his insights up for the last couple of weeks which was an, an amazing series and I can, I'm can, i definitely happy to say it was the best international rules series I've definitely seen in my lifetime and I think the standard of football was fantastic. It was just a great game to watch. I was speaking to a lot of people in work today, a couple of non-believers, a couple of Aussies and even an English fella who tuned in over the last couple of weeks. Thought it was a great game to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make a pretty bold statement here and say that it was probably better than the AFL Grand Final and better than the All-Ireland Football Final. Big statement, I know, I two lads here are gasping, but um, I thought as a spectacle in terms of, like, you had both teams just all out attacking. There was no de- defensive mindset really at play at much. So, on that on that alone, and some of the high, the high fielding, you know, just the attacking play, you know, the energy, I think, and the closeness of the of the score in the end with only three points, I thought, that's that's what I'm based on, that's what I, my opinion is on it, yeah.
2: Hang on there, Shani. I just have to pick my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I won't go as far as saying it was as good as the other in the football final. So I thought that was unbelievable. But I, I thought I did think it was a, a very, very, very good game on, on Saturday. Um, tuned in. The Irish went stuck into a lead. We're up by 11 points, I think, at half time Went up 17 points up at one stage in, in the third quarter. Finished the third quarter on seven points up, which was meant they were three points down for the series. So it had a beautifully balanced as well for the last quarter. And I just think, unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, Gary alluded to it there a bit. Aidan O'Shea mentioned as well that they kind of went into themselves um, in in the last quarter. Maybe made the mistakes. And Liam, you were saying to me earlier, they went back to their Gaelic football roots. Yeah,
0: I think it's what you do. I was just saying to the giggles before you came along, Seanie. I know you have a ban on normally talking about what we're going to talk about in the podcast until we're actually on here talking about it. But I know myself, and I panic when I'm playing hurling. I go back to my default, which is like to pull on the ball and I should rise it. I go back to this the thing. You're kind of most comfortable doing that. You kind of yeah. lose a bit of confidence in yourself. Yeah. I think the boys went back to playing their default game, which was they got the ball and they ran. not yeah. r- Forgetting that the fella behind them can just grab you and bring you down. Because you're yeah. not in getting football. You, once you're ahead of your man, if he pulls you down, it's a free. Yeah. But in, in this case, it was a free against you. Yeah. And they got turned over four times in the last quarter for that. And at it- crucial points. You know, and I just kind of felt it was just a bit of panic set in. They probably hadn't enough to win the series. But they were six or three points up with like a minute to play to win that actual test. You know, I thought it would have been great to get the test victory.
1: Yeah, and I think it has to be said like the, the performance from based on again la- compared to last week was much much higher higher standard this year or this week. Um, their tackling was much better. Their closing down the space was much better. They they attacked at will, like from from midfield onwards. Like the defenders got in front of their men. Oh, and Cadogan had a much better game than he had last week. Um, <laughs> a bit of praise. He did, he did, no, he did. He'd, honest to God, no. I reckon I he was think.
0: listening to you last week, Sean. Well, he must have been.
1: Um, I reckon he was probably Ireland's best defender on, on, um yesterday. Um, and I think you know the likes of uh, Shane Walsh or Shane Walsh, do you call him Liam? In midfield for uh, Galway, he was he was a spectacular yeah. player, and it's a few as the afl clubs will be looking at him trying to trying to ask him a few questions over the next couple of days
2: but i i was saying to, to gary there like the, the the funniest thing about it is you're four points up in a game but you're actually down do you know you never have that scenario yeah. in an aggregate score playing ga in your whole life so the boys were four points up with two minutes to go and they were going for goals which probably killed killed them like because they were they were never going to force a goal at that stage they had the two goal chances i suppose Hughes had a very clear cut chance, but you could see that he was waiting for the tackle the way he kicked it so fast, straight at the goalie. Shane Walsh for the, the exact same thing coming in, and I'll echo Shawnee's comments there. Shane Walsh was phenomenal. He was back to his old like when he was a young lad really confident pacey he burned off every single Australian lad that came near him and and he was like one of Ireland's leading lights
0: well I think that's a fair point but I think it was more in the first half I think he did quite enough in the third and fourth quarter but I know he had that great chance that Brendan Gardner made that save in the third quarter but he was electric in the first two quarters. He was. Really? You know, like, he actually was burning that. And it was... Like, it was, it was phenomenal to watch them see leave the Aussie lads in his wake, you know?
1: And I was reading there today as well, like, that the, they were saying that the, the GPS figures on the Irish team for the first, I think, quarter or first half, maybe, were, were off the charts in terms of, like, the, the expended energy and the ground that they covered, like, and I think... I think... And I said it in the last podcast as well, like, the difference between, you know, the two games is, is only percentage of boys like, but... I think that was the overall factor in the end really i think the aussies just had that composure they had they were able to adapt better under duress like under under that you know that tight situation and i think their professionalism showed out in the end it showed really that they really wanted to win it i mean like they're good they're the best in their code for a reason and they were able to pull pull the result out of of the bag again on, on on Saturday, even though they probably had the series, probably won in yeah, regardless of the score. They wanted but, like, to win like the they game really as well, wanted yeah. to win that game yeah. as well, and I think it really showed. The likes of I thought in Nat five, and I don't know he got player of the tournament, the Jim Steins medal, but he was phenomenal. I mean that catch. He got there in the second second half. The mark he made, The yeah. mark, oh, oh, it was just spectacular. It was a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, like you said, I think that's when, when the Irish panicked in that last quarter. The Aussies just played the same tempo the whole four quarters. You know what I mean? They just were in it for, like, the old cliche, a marathon, not a sprint. You know what I mean? Mm. And they just never changed their side of a the play. They worked the ball up the field, they went down the channels, and then they, turned, they forced the turnover in the Irish defence. The amount of turnovers they got and freezing they got, from Irish defenders being caught in possession of the ball. I think in the last quarter alone was two or three as well. It was their forward pressure, I think, was a hu- had a huge bearing on it.
2: But that, but that's what you see in Aussie Rules. Like even at the at the grassroots you see the guys playing the club Aussie rules here. They bring the whiteboard onto the pitch a quarter time, at half time, at three quarters time, and they go through the game plan. You know, there's no panic station to driving the ball in. You're not know kinda of Old GA mentality, now that's going from GA an awful lot, like, you still have very detailed game plans, but you could see Australia were trying to get the guy in the mark in front of goal, so it was an easy tap over, whereas Ireland just didn't utilise the mark inside the 45 as much as they could have, a lot of Ireland's pl- pl- scores came from open play or from Conor McManus, <coughs> excuse me, way out in the wing, whereas mm-hmm. actually if you look at all the Australian scores, 15 points. I'd say seven or eight of them were for max in front of the goal. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Especially
0: in the last quarter. I say nearly all their overs were inside... the 21-yard line, yeah. like the full forward line, as you'd call it.
2: So they'd stick to their game plan, they'd tackle, yeah. their, their, tackle their men, they win a the free on the ball over, so if, basically if the rule for anyone at home, the rule in Australia is if you have possession of the ball and you're tackled with the ball and you have an opportunity to get rid of it, it's a free against you, which is what caught Ireland out in the last quarter. They gave away four of those turnover balls. Uh, as Liam said, the guys had marked it. Um, I think it was Sludden was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. He caught a great ball, ran out of the defence this year, man, just caught him down. Gave it to the fellow who took the free bare laird and uh, tapped it over the bar. So, uh, it it was a great endeavour by Ireland, I think. And, and but I think ultimately the Aussie game plan, they it was a kind of just persistence with the same game plan and cool heads kind of won it for them in the end. Yeah. If you look at it as an isolated game.
1: They're very methodical in what they do, and yeah. they just, as you said, like they work the ball up the channels and up the lines, and they just get, they just wait until someone is in a better position and then g- and give it to them and get the mark and get the score. But I think Ireland, Ireland were actually they were in that mindset, and that's just a GA mindset. Like when when you get the ball, you want to attack, attack, attack. And and as I said, as you said to earlier, they alluded to going back to what they know, and that's that's probably what it was. And it's just that slight little lack of composure in the end, and that was only, that was really only the last five to seven minutes. Yeah, I would that's say. all it was. The last, know, last five minutes. The Irish lads were brilliant yeah. up to that point. You know, yeah. they just lost a small bit of composure, and like. At the end of the game, at the final whistle or the hooter, you, you're just wanting for a third test. Like yeah. that's, That was my um, overall yeah. feeling at the, at the end. I thought it was such a fantastic game. I'd love to see another ter- third test.
0: And you're not the only one to say that, Sean. We had Chris Scott, who is the Australian manager, has called for the future of the series to have a third test. And he thinks oh, it could be challenging with fixtures and all that. But I think there's huge appetite amongst the Australian players and management after that series to, yeah. to keep this... Not I think the question of does the series have a future Is gone now That's
2: not even. you know what I mean
0: that's not up for debate now you could see how much it meant to the Australians to win that game and to get the series you saw when I think Zarko got the last score he ran away to the crowd that fist pumping up you know what I mean like it was Dan Shanahan-esque Dan (laughs) Dan Shanahan-esque yeah it was Dan Shanahan-esque but like to be honest with you as disappointing (laughs) as it was to see Ireland like lose it was great to see how much it meant to the Australians because how seriously they were taking it it wasn't just like oh we all get together have a couple of games here against the Irish boys you know what I mean
2: no that's true that's true that's very true the, the one thing I'd just like to go back to though in terms of the tackle and uh, the compromise rules and Gary alluded to as well at certain points in the game you could actually see the Ireland lads with their hands out you know trying to shepherd them out to the yeah. wing which is a totally the right thing to do if you're playing Gaelic football because you want to wait for them to bounce the ball and get in and tackle the ball Whereas the Australians, and actually the only Irish fella who really did it and he played a stormer was Zach Tui at centre-back. Yeah. Like Zach Tui was... I, th- I think he was a close challenge against Nate 5 even for upper-round player of the tournament. He, True, yeah. he commanded the centre there. He... Really tackled, he got out, his kicking was amazing actually. Jesus, you know now why Port Leash won so many bloody Leash titles when that lad goes home for the semi-final and county-final every year. Yeah. He's a beast and he's a great footballer and a great Aussie rules player.
0: Yeah, and he had a great attitude as well. And, and, and like you said, he was the one who had to tackle, the only Irish player who probably yeah. was able to do that tackle. And it was, it was great to watch him hunt it down. Now, one thing I will speak about is Joe Curran was quite vocal after the match about the refereeing and about some of the double standards compared to how it was applied the first test and the second test. And I always hate after a match when you hear a manager, whether it's your own or another manager, talking about the referee. Now, he might have had some valid points, but what I'll say in defence of the referees, as we all know, we've done some refereeing out here on a a lot smaller scale, not a more insignificant scale. It's a horrible job, a tough job. Never mind refereeing the code that you're used to refereeing, but refereeing a hybrid code. Do you know what I mean? Like, the referees only had the same amount of time as the players to get their heads around the rules. And then like then I suppose they went back to within their default from time to time as well especially the one with the tackle they were saying it wasn't consistent with how that was applied but I think the referees did a great job overall being honest But, but
2: the tackle one is interesting and I was chatting to Gary about it there and he, he was kind of frustrated with the tackle rule and the lack of clarity and, and the difference comes down to inches right? so even if you watch the tackle Nate Five um, received from Cadigan right at the edge of the square he managed to kind of get his fist loose and, and get the ball away because the Irish guys were tackling up around the biceps right which means you have an element of kind of flexibility in your in your arm to get rid of the ball but when you actually look at the tackle at the Aussies tackle they tackle you on the forearm so you're absolutely wrapped in you absolutely can't move and there's no other option but a turnover ball so like it's only a game of inches, but when you tackle up around the, the arms there's an opportunity to get rid of the ball and when you tackle on the forearms there's no opportunity and that was probably the difference between the Aussie guys tackling and the Irish guys tackling because like kicking the the round ball is, is second nature to the Irish versus what the Australians will be tackling around that position and getting that ball over, turnover is second nature to the Aussies. And and looking back on the series, I think look, it's so even. Ireland lost by three points; they could have won by ten points. But the round ball versus the tackle are probably two cancelling features from our compromise rules. They probably even each other
0: out. Yeah, I think they actually, sorry, sorry, I think they actually have a great compromise in place at the moment with the with the different. You know, you can do six hand passes. You can't kick backwards at a mark. I think they've got a really good balance at the moment for both teams. The tackle definitely favours Australia, but like you said, that round ball cancels out. Sorry, Sean, you want to come it's in there?
1: It's not only just the tackle as well, it's actually, and I was listening to Paul early speaking about it. Um, he's the former uh, manager of the international rules team. He was saying, and he's played international rules, or sorry, Aussie rules as well. He was actually saying that no matter how good you get at the Irish guys get at the tackle, the Aussie guys always have one step ahead because of the Aussie rules game, because there is a tackle in Aussie rules. They're so good at evading the tackle, mm. and they've just got that mindset the minute they get the ball, and they've got that, you know, they've got that panic already just to get rid of the ball or else they get pinned. Yeah. You know, the Irish lads will never have that, no matter how much they practice tackling and for this international rules, it's the evasion of the tackle is what the Aussies' mindset will be much always be greater than the, the Irish lads.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, I think overall, like we said, it was a fantastic series. It was a fantastic game, on on Saturday, we, Ireland were 17 pounds up just after half-time, you know, they're looking fairly strong at that stage, mm. but again, Australia finished strong, but we were actually, we had Aust- Australian TV coverage here um, this week, and we had Ty Kinelli again on the call commentary you know, for those in Ireland, hey and Marty Morrissey and Nicholas Walsh, we'll speak about that in a second, but Ty Kinelli, we felt, was very anti-Irish in his commentary on Saturday night, and it was really unsettling, I thought, listening in, when we saw, it was Selwood, Don Barrett there, and he got a black card, and, Ty Kinelli was trying to justify saying oh it wasn't that bad I don't think he's unlucky to be getting a black card like it didn't sound great did it?
1: Uh, I actually I was watching obviously with you Liam and I said the same I thought I didn't say the same I kind of agreed a bit with Ty Canelli. I thought I, I thought at first glance it wasn't as bad as it looked but then when I saw it in slow motion like I mean Chris Barrett had to go off the field afterwards like it wasn't it didn't look great at all yeah, I, th-
2: I think I, I was on a couple of WhatsApp groups and all that was coming through was Ty Kinelli is a Muppet Tyke I actually li- didn't. Th- th-
1: I didn't hear him too much because I I didn't know was it listening to a Nazi or was, was it talking any talk? Well,
2: d- we we won't talk about the accent. We <clears throat> leave that. But ultimately, f- from what I took from it, um, as an Irish person, everything that the Australians did was magic, and anything that the Irish did was lucky. You know, that's yeah. the kind of way he brought. It. And I, to be honest, it was quite clear that it was his first or second stint to Channel Seven News, and he was putting on a whole show to try and get a gig with the Australian AFL. Yeah, that that was a that's a fact, right? So. He sold himself to the Aussies at the expense of the Irish to get himself a job yeah. af, with Australian yeah. television. That's the way I look at it, which yeah. is what
0: it is. Yeah, That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, it might be, yeah, look, <laughs> that's harsh. It might True. be harsh, but... Uh, no, I think
1: that's very harsh.
0: Yeah, look, I, I do think he was pro Aussie. I think we'll agree on that. He definitely was pro Aussie in, in his uh, analysis. But in saying that, the Australian coverage was actually very good, I felt. I thought they were very excited in that last quarter. They got really into it, right? And i just give you a dry comparison. So we watched an Australian coverage, which was great and then today I said I'd have a quick look at the last quarter again just before we did the podcast night and I had it on the GA Go which was the Irish coverage so it was Marty Morrissey and Nicholas Walsh it was like they were watching a different game like there were not no enthusiasm around it whatsoever it was shocking like monotone no emotion what was like or like the or game Marty? was they were Marty or Nicholas Walsh Like it was brutal and then back to Michael Lester in the studio with his runners on wearing a suit and a pair of Nikes oh, no.
2: The only thing I'd say about Michael Lester, which you can kind of—he got caught out right with the runners. What time was it at home in Ireland? Probably f- six o'clock in the morning when he was arriving in to do that studio back in Ireland. I'm sure he got the suit on? He's surely trying to. <laughs> but, but okay, so so I'm sure there's the news anchors around the world that put the shirt and don't even put the pants on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so look, we give Michael Lester a bit of credit. I'm sure Marty had a good few pints in part the night before, and that that's probably the rationale why but he was probably. What I'm <laughs> saying is
0: though, it just like. Didn't do the series just justice no. for the Irish if you're listening no, in, like you know what I mean? Like how animated were the Aussies, Sean? Yeah,
1: and, and giggles, I, look, like, I, look, I give out about the Aussies not covering it outside of that, but they actually do a great coverage of it. Yeah. You know, the advertising in the media outside of it, everything else is very poor, but the coverage of the game is, is phenomenal. Listen,
2: there's no comparison between the Aussie commentators and the Irish commentators. The Aussie commentators are really, really good and the Irish commentators are really, really bad. Yeah. And the clear t- case in point is jar Boring Canning. Holy Christ. The, the first time he said he was out of school that week with a hamstring injury to his mouth in 2004 was fine. I lost all respect for that, man. So, And, and it goes back even... I remember when Kieran MacDonald was fighting with Barry Hall that time back in 2006... Canning was sitting beside The commentator What's his name The Collingwood fella, Eddie McGuire Eddie, Eddie And McGuire was already They're going at it They're going at it McDonald's hitting them And not. And he was and, and Canning didn't know What to do yeah. So that's the differential Between yeah. the two sets of comment I'd love to see some of the Aussies Go down and commentate
0: On a few nice. GA matches yeah. They'd bring it to a Whole new sense of life Brilliant yeah But it's, would, like, yeah. it's like we had Jeff Steady and Chris Kamara Do that special For yeah. for the Gaelic yeah. football final That was unreal yeah. here And the energy that they gave it But just on RT's coverage I won't go on about the coverage But like They didn't even send anyone To interview Joe Curran After the match Or yeah, any players poor, like, like it's just kind of like It's an international series It's fairly high profile For Gaelic football in Ireland And they didn't bother Like Marty was there They could have surely Got a microphone down there And interviewed someone Whereas the Aussies Are on the pitch after Interviewing all the players In the dressing, rooms. A, in the dressing rooms You know what I mean I just kind of felt RT really did a did a cheap one and sending Marty over on his own. And nobody else.
1: Yeah. and uh, and actually just on, on just away from that and on the Joel Selwood thing. Normally, what the agreement is when you get black carded that you're going to get a suspension for um, following season in your own game, whether it be Gaelic football or whether it be Australian rules football. And uh, actually, afterwards in the game, the referees or the umpires are are called out here um, are supposed to. Push that offence to the tribunal and they never did so Joel Selwood is not going to miss any of the yeah. Geelong
0: and I think, that's, I think that's okay Like I think it was a nasty tackle on the day but I don't think it was worth him getting a few weeks suspension no, for it's it's not. Not. do you know what I mean
1: and I'd say Chris Scott as well who's the Australian uh, the Australian manager is also his club manager so yeah. I'd say <laughs> yeah. there was a few harsh words that say as well if, yeah. if Joel Selwood missed the first two rounds of the AFL here next year there would be uproar
2: there, wa- there was one refereeing decision I thought was very funny actually as well though was the Irish referee uh, which was from leash. Then, Yeah. The Aussie lad bounced it twice and then he did an awful attempt at a solo, but he actually did solo it. And then he ran on and bounced it again and the ref gave a free for three bounces in a row. Yeah. So the, the Irish referees were probably given trying to give the Irish lads yeah. and the Aussies were trying to give the Aussie lads yeah. a, a few extra chances there. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I think but
0: It, it does it
1: does bring up the fact as well, like, you know, a game like that as well, you know, you had you had referees in both ends. Like, I mean, it's crying out in Gaelic football for referees and both ends in that
0: game. Uh, like, I I love that, in yeah. the, and especially that one from each, but like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, it's such a quick fix, especially with the and cynical play that goes on off the ball, yeah. and, and especially this, in the football and final. And like, that you yeah.
1: can't get referees at home. You'll actually get more referees at home because be the job is made easier for them.
0: Yeah. You especially know. in getting football with the amount of off the ball stuff that goes on yeah. you know you'd love a bit of protection in there in the forwards giggles, wouldn't you have had a referee in there yeah. looking at yeah. yeah. those backs hanging out yeah you'll be gone <laughs> <any>, in <Liam>. you <laughs> you'll be no more uh, I thought my mum was having fun um, <laughs> alright we might leave it there on the international rules but it was great having Gary on the line there Um and we wish everyone all Irish players safe travelling on the, on the way back they've definitely given us a great series and we'll wait with a breath to see what actually happens next year whether it's going to go to America oh, or back to Ireland not. I hope it doesn't yeah well anyway we'll just have to wait and see but uh, yeah coming up next we're, we're going to have a look at the club championships at home Yo. Yo, dirty, so what's that supposed to be about, baby? Get free up your pipe and stop acting crazy. Reminisce for all the good times daily. Why are you trying to pull I can't be acting shady. The You're ball hands out to the far deep side deep to Henry down. Shefflin. Henry has a look. Henry puts it the
3: wall. there's the insurance fight Mrs. McGinnis, kick that one out. Kick the bones out of that one, Mrs. McGinnis. Cusack is not
0: too Okay, so we had another round of club championship games at the weekend. First up, we had in Leinster, we had Kula beating St. Martin's 3.17 to 15 points and Kilcarnock beating Mount Leinster Rangers 2.21 to 10 points. So both Kula and Kilcarnock have had strong games in the Leinster Championship so far. Coming to, in the final, I think, is it
2: two weeks' time, Kieglis? It's next week.
0: No, no it's, next week. it's next week. Next yeah. week. And you're favouring another cooler victory, you think, in that mm. instant final, Keegels? Yeah,
2: well, I said it at the start, they were going to get their the toughest the game proper. against Kilmakud. He's like a prophet. <laughs> if only I could profit Mayo to win Sam and Waterford to win Lee McCarthy. But, um, yeah, look, I think they had a very comfortable win over St. Martins. They were missing one of their key forwards, Mark Schuette, as well. Um, did Nikki Kenny come into the side? Who's a who's a former Kenny under twenty-one, a minor player who would probably walk onto any club senior teams so that's the kind of talent um that Kula having. Uh, I was looking at their team again. Like their full back line is Simon Timlin, Keane O'Callaghan and Usheen Goff. Like. Oisín Goff was captain of Dublin a couple of years ago and he's their consistent cornerback. Keanu Callahan's a Dublin full-back. And uh, Simon Timlin was on the Dublin extended panel uh, a couple of years ago. Like He's a young guy as well. So we talked about their forwards probably maybe in the last one or two podcasts. But And they've got the shoot, Paul Chute, Mark's brother, wing-back. Um, their backs and midfield are just as good as their forwards. So I, I can only see uh, probably a comfortable cooler winner, so long as the weather holds good. Because the one thing about Kilcormack I'd say, is they're probably they're one a really small club, really tight, lot of brothers on the team, um, and they kind of they're probably way overachieved for what they for, for what what they have in terms of talent. Um, they do have an injury to their centre-back and, and um their county player, mm-hmm. got sent off. So he's going to be suspended. So that's really going to hurt them against coming against the powerhouse, that's Cooler. So look, i stick definitely stick with Kula for Leinster. Um, it'll be a, a, a double for Kula and the Leinster and it'll be serious another notch on their belt and Matty
0: Kenny's belt as well. And then we had Napierstig had a great win over, over Bally Gunner. Um, Bally Gunners I suppose, run has come to an end but Napierstig... What's the stat on them, Shawnee?
1: They're they're undefeated in Munster Club Hurling Championship today.
0: Yeah. Like that's unbelievable, Unreal isn't it? it no? Yeah. Another comprehensive win, like three fifteen this time of the year, same with Cooler scored three seventeen so fair it, score. I I just g- yeah.
2: I'll, I'll just give you a stat there now just to give Gary Brennan some credit as well. Balier are also undefeated in Munster Club hurling as well. They've had one campaign and they haven't lost any <laughs> 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 And,
1: Pier- and you like you'd say Napier she had the, the handy way in coming into the Munster final and you'd say a belly gunner, you know, they had a couple of weeks, a couple of games. Weeks in a row, you know, they're probably well more tested, and I suppose it comes down to that age all argument, you know, uh, they were, they were, you know, they had the better fresher. rest, you're know, yeah. fresher, but sure, I don't know. You don't know. I, I, I prefer to be the team on a, on a run, but yeah. to be honest, going into a final.
2: I was looking at both teams there last week coming in, and I think Ballygunner were missing Brian O'Sullivan, who's their second best forward, you know, he, he would have been on the for senior panel for a few yeah. years, and they just didn't have, they just don't have enough big strong quality forwards like Pauli de Amani is their main lad you and I thought a point from play, I he see. got a point from playing a point from play and he apparently had yeah. a terrible day on the freeze um, I just thought he could have too much and I, I, I was reading it today there was a point in it with a minute to go so Ballygunna were hanging in there they actually went four clear after five minutes in the second half but Nipirshig's quality up front they've got David Breen, Adrian Breen scored three five between them. They've got Kevin Downs, they've got Lynch, they, they've got a serious team there. They've got Casey, like they have to, they've they've to got to the Limerick senior starting forward line if if they if they were stuck like you know. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's kind of all set up now. I suppose Gart beat um, Crockwell in Galway in the semi final replay, so they're going to be playing Lee Mellows, who haven't won a county since 1990 in that side. And then on the Ulster side, Slott I think Slot and be Barry Gallagher. Slot back again. They bet. Magic Johnson's Bally Gallagher. So um mm. it's, it's it's looking like a massive showdown at the road between mm. the two thousand and fifteen champion or two thousand sixteen Champions Day versus the seventeen champions in Kula versus Napier the And I think that'll be a game on St Patrick's Day that a lot of people would pay to go in and see. it be it'll be a serious match. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's actually turned out to be a, a fascinating club hurling championship. And obviously the football championship is going on as well. There's just so many games on And the Football yeah. Club Championship It's so hard hard to stay on, on top of But it's great Again TG Carr are broadcasting All these games live on Sunday They're giving great coverage To the Club Championship It's not as easy for us To tune in to watch them here Because they actually block the access To overseas viewers So if anyone listening there From TG Carr You want to sort it out for us um, We haven't now Sneak you in with A virtual private network We won't say anything about that But if you could just make it A bit easier for us It would be great Because they're not covering GA yeah, The one thing I'd say We may have missed
2: On last week's podcast was Rat from Wicklow's defeat of Saint Vincent's in the oh, football. Oh yeah. So they bet them one thirteen to one nine. Uhly Layton Glyn, who actually is a seriously experienced compromise rules player. I think he played three series with Ireland, um, and is actually one of the kind of specialised compromise rules players. Like he was always on the team with Ireland and always played really, really well. Um he he was playing centre forward for Rat and I think it was level with thirteen minutes to go or something like that and Ratnew just went on a roll and Vincent couldn't get the ball off him. Yeah. So it kinda just shows you can have your superstar club team from the from Dublin population probably of about nearly two or three hundred thousand to pick from and your 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 small club team like Ratnew can kinda come and do do a number on you and uh, it's it's great to see you still in the club championship. Yes that's what's <coughs> great about the
0: club championship is seeing those upsets. So hopefully yeah. there's another upset along the way. I know you're saying cool and uh, the Piercig yeah, and the would yeah. love to see an upset along the way there. I know it's going to be difficult, but yeah. who knows? Coo- Cooler then I suppose they'll, they'll be aiming to be the only the fifth ever club to
2: defend the All Ireland t- t- title. So I think it was Baron Offaly are the only team from Leinster to ever defend the All Ireland. And then you had uh, Portumna, Athenry and Sarsfields in Galway are the only four teams that have actually successfully defended the All Ireland club title. So Cooler are looking good, I think, to win the All Ireland. I think they have just have the edge on the Piercig. Um, but Jesus, to go for two in a row, it, it's club a championship club championship, it would be a fair achievement, yeah. We
0: also obviously had, we had the, the Fenway Classic in, <coughs> in Boston over the weekend, we won't dwell too much on this, but it is an interesting concept, 11 aside, this year four teams went over, two semi-finals and a final, and Clare won out in the final, was it who was the one who got the seven goals, Shawnee? Duggan. 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 Peter Duggan. Peter Duggan scored seven goals in the final he did on toll, as Buff would say, um, and they are using this luminous yellow slitter with red stitching and the talk is that it's actually going to be introduced into the championship next year oh they used that in Fenway Park they used it in Fenway Park yeah it looked like a tennis ball Buff said they're playing with tennis balls in the, in the <laughs> match but it did look like tennis balls you know but like that would be crazy seeing like the slitter has always been white you know what I mean with yeah. the black rims so it would be interesting to see is that going to happen also they're talking about that the ball is going to be regulated next year as you know there's loads of different official slitters but they all have different weights and fields there's only one Gaelic football the slitter next year is going to be regulated it has to be the same and it's going to be microchipped so that's going to be interesting as well to see what ramifications that has on the game because it, it, sometimes you heard Don Log talking about it in his book about the difference that the ball made you know
2: I'd be, I'd be delighted with the microchip as well because the Sinn Féin boys are robbing also of us every sun, every
0: Sunday out in Gailey Park we can never get them back off the horse <laughs> uh, and as well there we had we had John Reaney on last week talking to Giggles uh, about Geelong we're going over playing the regional games in Hobart they had a fantastic win on, on Saturday they brought the, the silverware back to Victoria so we're delighted for all the boys and congratulations to everyone involved for hosting that great tournament I got a text off John today he's looking to come back on again and have oh, yeah. a chat so <laughs> he, he got a, a flavour of it there last week he liked the fame so we'll, uh, we might get John back in this side of Christmas as he well you reckon
2: Where his, his lucky charm <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it was the final was 5-6 to 2-2 two, two they won the final so great, great to, to see everyone now and yeah. and yeah. a bit of silverware as well it was
0: 5 games in the day though they played five games in the day to win that, like, and it was warm. O- it aside, yeah. It inside, yeah, it was warm over in Hobart as well. setting yeah. aside in the full pitch. John was in goal; though. he was alright. On <laughs> yes. the strings. Yeah. So look, that's it for for tonight. Um, thanks again to Gary for for giving us his time and best of luck. Like we said to all the boys heading home. Um, just for ourselves going forward, obviously the season is coming to, I suppose a bit of a close both with the international rules and with the club scene starting to slow down as well so we will have another episode or two this side of Christmas we're going to do uh, a, the year in review um, so we're looking f- we're looking forward to that and we might even squeeze one more episode in before that as well so look thanks very much John for, for coming along tonight name. no worries Shani thanks <coughs> very much and for staying awake as well we hope you get a better sleep tonight
1: no, no worries Les thanks for the biscuits thanks
0: very much have a good night everyone take care